0: Welcome, welcome, curious souls, to the Macabre Emporium, your sanctuary for the unusual, the mysterious, and the appalling.
1: Step through our cryptic doorway into a world where secrets whisper and enigmas come to life. I'm David. And
0: I'm Sarah together we are custodians of the macabre, guiding you through tales that defy the ordinary.
1: Discover the untold stories, from lesser-known cases of true crime to the bizarre events that captivate us.
0: Join us on a journey to the shadows where the mainstream fades and the extraordinary beckons.
1: So whether you seek the bizarre, the eerie, or the chillingly obscure,
0: you're in for a treat here at Macabre Emporium.
1: Welcome back to Macabre Emporium. This is episode 46.
0: And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Welcome. So two weeks ago, we went to saw Avatar up in Flint, Michigan, and we survived. We came back alive. We did.
1: That was a good show.
0: Yeah, it's even though that's really on the outskirts. So no real danger. Uh. From what we can see.
1: Yeah. At least it's, from it's pretty I sketchy seen, down there.
0: From what I've seen, there's like hardly anything there. I mean there's Dort Mall.
1: Yeah, which is sketchy in its own right. Well,
0: yeah, but <laughs> It wasn't even open. There's like nobody out there. Yeah. So, but Avatar puts on one hell of a fucking show, Keep you entertained from start to finish. They do do that.
1: They do do that.
0: Yeah. Well, the fact that they were using a gasoline can to, as their,
1: their water their... bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then the whole both section where the balloon animal.
1: Yeah, that was very strange.
0: And was not expecting a trombone solo either in the middle of this.
1: Basically, right above us. Yeah, yeah,
0: it was cute. So next time we go, we're gonna try and slap him a cabin for him. Stick around one pole in there, and hopefully it lasts for a while before somebody else sticks something over top of it.
1: Yeah, we need to get some of the. We need to get our printer working for one because that has to be used first, and then the cricket gets used. So we got to get, got to get some ink, and then we'll be good to go.
0: And of course, then I did, you know, some more of that guerrilla marketing after you thought about it. And I tried to, <laughs> yeah. Like a term, airdrop or RSS feed to anybody that had their Samsung share link open on yeah. their phone. Got maybe one, two people, I think only really showed up. Yeah. I might have to try it again at a much bigger show. Yes. And you at the same time. Yes. Oh, there we go. Before the show starts, you go opposite ends of the building. Ha uh-huh. ha. There we go. So, the tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Yay! So, once again, we are bringing you Thanksgiving-related stories. I'm yep. sure Sarah's got true crime.
1: I do not have true crime. What?
0: I think you're lying.
1: I went in a completely different direction, mm-hmm. actually. hmm I did. Yeah, right. I did.
0: No, you didn't.
1: You'll, you'll find out.
0: Okay, so what is it?
1: True crime. <laughs>
0: Shocker, yeah. <laughs> I know better.
1: <laughs> you don't know nothing. Right. Let me guess. You did history.
0: No, it's a tutorial on underwater, ba- not basket weaving, but cornucopia weaving because <laughs> Corn- of, you cornucopia know. Cornucopia weaving. Because yeah, tomorrow's Thanksgiving, <laughs> so I'm giving a tutorial on underwater cornucopia weaving instead of basket weaving this time around. Sweet. But I figured that needed its own separate episode, so I'm going to do history on Ragamuffin Day.
1: Ragamuffin Day, which yeah. I've never, ever heard of. I
0: didn't either. So
1: I'm intrigued. To see yep. what it is, because you said it kind of ties into Halloween and Thanksgiving. Mhm. Well, we'll
0: see. Only problem is that these two ever, if Ringo Muffin, they ever makes so a comeback, then basically Christmas can almost take over.
1: Why? well ex- explain it after, <laughs> after you told the story how Christmas
0: would take over. All right. Okay. So you are ready to get started then? I is. All right, let's go. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. little here are you ready? Yep. You're just gonna be a potato on the table. Yes,
1: motherfucker. That was Yeah,
0: And, of course, Salem's still asleep behind behind us on a shelf after I stuck a pillow over top of him. Yeah. Surprisingly, he allowed it.
1: It was just to keep him warm, not to keep him in a forever nap,
0: just to <laughs> clear that up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so he's like the only cat that I've ever seen that always looks so pissed off when he wakes up. It's expression on his face that he... He's pissed off like he woke him up. How dare you? Yeah, pretty much. And you can actually cover him up the blanket and he'll stay there. And that's what I do with yeah. a, a pillow. And it's, and he's back asleep still on the shelf behind me. Yeah. But anyhow, let's get going. Because we're getting off topic here.
1: Yes. Today, I'm going to go over Omaima Nelson and how Thanksgiving went for her. Okay. There's no real, like, backstory on her. No, No cool intro. So we're just going to dig in with some bullshit. All right. Omaima Ari Nelson was born in southern Egypt near Cairo in 1968. She grew up in an excessively abusive household. Her father was very sexually twisted. He had sexually abused his wife as as well as Omaima and her siblings. Yeah, I know. Fucked up, ain't it, Ginge? (laughs) I know. At the age of seven, Omaima's father forced female genital mutilation on her. Do you know what that is?
0: I think that's a very common thing that goes on over there. But do you know what? Not exactly. Okay. Like, I've heard of it mentioned, like, on Law & Order, I think, one time when you were watching it, or some other show like that, but I don't remember exactly off the top of my head.
1: Okay, so to explain it to you and other people that may not know what it is, basically, it's the removal of a female's clitoris, the clitoral hood, and the inner labia. All of that's done without anesthesia of any kind. No aspirin or ibuprofen beforehand to kind of dull it, even though it wouldn't dull it. Yeah,
0: I don't think ibuprofen's going to dull that pain. Right, they
1: get nothing. And this happened to her at the age of seven. So, uh, yeah, like I said, all done without anesthesia. So you know that they feel every single cut, every pull, every stitch that happens, because after they cut all of that away, Mm -hmm. they stitch you from top to bottom. Yeah, this causes numerous complications throughout the rest of the person's life from chronic infections that can cause like cysts. It can lead to death if the infection gets bad enough. PTSD, fatal bleeding, shock, urinary issues, chronic pain, fertility issues and painful sex literally every time they would never get pleasure. Yeah, because that part was cut away. Yeah. If a woman that had gone FGM, I'm just going to shorten it, FGM actually became pregnant, childbirth would require that wound to be cut back open to give room for the baby to come out. And then she would be sewn back shut again, again, leading to more infections and complications. But it's just completely unfathomable shit to happen. But can you imagine like how traumatic that is at seven years old?
0: Right. It's like, do you even say why they do even practice this? I think they're uh, it's, trying to get it to stop, actually.
1: It's to... Yeah, I read somewhere that it was to um, symbolize them going into womanhood. Yeah, I don't know. You're taking part of their womanhood away. But yeah, it's like their transition into womanhood.
0: Sure, okay. At
1: the age of seven. They're still fucking babies. Anyways, this still happens to this day in Somalia, Egypt, Sudan, and Ethiopia. So, I mean, don't don't live there and have a, a girl child. Anyways, after that happened to her, which was her father's doing, he forced that on her, Omaima's mother kind of woke up and left her husband and took off to a city that was nicknamed City of the Dead. It was just a really seedy, like, Skid Row area. The city wasn't huge, but it housed nearly a million people back in the 1970s, which is a lot of people. Homeless people roamed the streets, drug dealers and drug addicts flooded the town. It just wasn't a safe area, especially for children. At the age of 18, Omaima decided that she no longer wanted to be in Egypt, more specifically in the slums. So she saved enough money to buy herself a one-way ticket to the United States. She chose California as her destination and took flight without ever looking back at where she came from. When she got settled in, she found work as a nanny as well as a maid at another time, and then she took up modeling. Due to her exotic beauty, she had men flocking to her. While she was still the age of 18, she met and fell in love with an oil worker, and they quickly got married and moved to Texas. However, the marriage dissolved after about a month, but I wasn't able to find out exactly what happened. It didn't take her long to move on. She decided to quit modeling and start bar hopping and was actively looking for a sugar daddy type. An older man with money. She had no connections in the U.S., really nothing to call her own except a little that she was able to bring with her when she came from Egypt, So the thought of her having a guy with cash really just kind of had her, you know, seeing money signs. This idea of the sugar daddy and the cash, cars and lifestyle that she could get out of them, kind of tripped something in her brain and she might, might've gone a little crazy. (laughs) Okay. Instead of actually dating these men, she decided she would just have one night stands instead. But this wasn't going to be a prostitute type of situation where she would sleep on them, get money and go omaima would get these men to a hotel tie them up and then shove a revolver in their face and force their money out of them and then she'd leave in 1991 the then 23 year old Omima was back in california she was living in orange county and happened to walk into a bar and stumble upon a man named william nelson who went by bill so that's just what i'm gonna call him from here on out bill was 56 years old at the time 33 years older than Almima, but they hit it off. He had formerly lived in Texas, as did she, so they kind of had that in common. He was a former pilot, but was convicted of smuggling marijuana in from Mexico in 1984. So, you know, that ended that job for him pretty quickly. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, it also landed him four years in federal prison. After that, he started working at a mortgage company and made his way to California. Omaima stated later on in life that she felt that dating older men would give her more stability, that they would be able to treat her better than men her own age, you know, since they were established and had their finances in order. Yeah. And Bill definitely did. He had his own place, a really nice apartment, a sporty little red Corvette. Omaima saw that and again, saw the dollar signs. After their initial meeting, they spent the next month side by side and on a whim decided to get married. They had an Egyptian priest marry them over the phone in their then-shared apartment. After that, they went to the Justice of the Peace and had it legalized in the U.S. The newly married couple decided to take their honeymoon in the Corvette. They drove from California to Texas and Arkansas. Bill introduced Omaima to his family at the different stops they made along the way. At one of the family members' homes they stopped at, they all went horseback riding. and While riding, Omaima took a really nasty spill off of the horse that she was on like his family rallied around and was like hey we really think that you need to go and get seen
0: because
1: mm-hmm. that looked real fucking bad oh I'm sure but she pulled herself up off the ground popped an aspirin drank two shots of vodka and she's like I'm good so they all were like you know it's one tough one tough chick right there right they were very impressed by her I don't know why Once the honeymoon was over, they headed back to their home in Costa Mesa, California and had a conversation about the upcoming holiday and wanted to make it a special one as it would be their first holiday together and as a married couple. Bill picked up the phone and called his daughter, Margaret, and let her know that he and his new wife would be cooking Thanksgiving dinner this year and that he would love to have her there. Margaret declined the invitation, not knowing that this would be the last time she would ever hear from her father. December 1st, 1991 things would take a turn for the worse. A man named Jose Escobar woke up to what sounded like someone banging on his front door. Instead of just being an idiot and walking to the front door in the middle of the night, he went and peeped out the front window. He didn't see anybody, but he saw a red Corvette sitting in his driveway. He didn't know who it was, so he just went back to bed. The next afternoon around one Jose was home and watched the same red Corvette from the previous night return and pull into his driveway and again knocking on the door this time he answered it you know being in daylight and he opened the door and was kind of like what the fuck because there in front of him stood a bloody and crying Omaima. He didn't know her very well. They weren't friends, but they had been acquaintances, and she surely felt comfortable enough coming to him in this condition. He let Omaima in, and she began telling Jose about how Bill had tried to rape her because she had refused him, and that he then turned violent. He attacked her, and the only way she could defend herself was to grab the closest thing to her and beat him with it. That thing was a lamp, and she didn't just beat him. She beat him to death. Whoops. (laughs) Whoops. That was one hit too many. Even she said, wow. While she was still in verbal diarrhea mode, she let Jose know that she had dismembered Bill and put him in a bunch of garbage bags. Was
0: not expecting that next.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That she needed him to help her dispose of the bags. She also needed his truck to do so. In return for his help and his silence, she would give him $75,000 and two motorcycles. Jose thought about it and agreed to help Omima. He told her to head back to her apartment and he would go get his truck and meet her there, but he lied.
0: He went straight to the caps. As,
1: <laughs> as soon as Omaima got in Bill's Corvette and drove off, Jose picked up the phone and called 911.
0: Close enough.
1: He told them the entire conversation that he had just had and where they could find Omaima. Needless to say, Jose never showed up to help dispose of Bill's body. But you yeah. know who did show up?
0: The police. Yes.
1: Yes. When the police arrived, they found little Miss O'Mima sitting in the driver's seat of the red Corvette. They immediately questioned her, but she denied every allegation thrown her way, including even even speaking to Jose in the first place. She said Bill was out of town in Florida on a business trip. She cooperated or at least seemingly cooperated, but like her cooperation was very weird and very contradictory. So it was a little fishy from the start. The officer speaking with Omaima noticed a suitcase in the back seat of the car, and Omima gave him permission to look inside. What the officer found shocked him. It, it was, was Bill's hand. <laughs> it was full of human organs. Most notably a pair of lungs with black spots on them, which means whoever they belonged to
0: was a smoker.
1: Was a smoker. And Bill was a smoker. But there was no way of knowing if it was Bill or not, because, you know, you don't know who Take my lungs out. You're not going to know those belong to me. Right. You know what I mean? But of course, Omima had her way out of that, too, stating that those belonged to someone that Bill had killed. Couldn't give a name or a reason why Bill had killed this person, of course. Um, On December 2nd, 1991, Omima was arrested on suspicion of murder. I mean, I don't know why she talked her way out of everything. <sighs> she was super smart that
0: way. Yeah, considering she said that uh, he was in Florida, but yeah, there's this... Suitcase full of warm Oregon body parts. <laughs> well, we don't
1: know if they were warm.
0: It's up to three to four hours before a body actually loses heat, but anyhow. Because on okay. Canyon Doubt they actually Googled it on an episode.
1: <laughs> oh. But the police still had to enter the apartment and investigate, so it was a waiting game at this point for everybody. The police returned with that search warrant to search the Nelson's apartment. So we might have thought that the blackened lungs in a bag in the back seat was bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gets much worse. Much worse. When the police entered the apartment, the smell of blood was pungent, so they already knew something gnarly had taken place there. Right. They just weren't sure of what yet. They had a pretty good idea. They saw a bunch of suitcases lying around. Not really like suitcase, suitcase, but more like duffel bag type. Right. Um, Laying around, and they didn't really think anything of it, but they decided to look in them and found that all of them had garbage bags in them and they opened all those garbage bags and it's just different body parts in all of them but did bill do that too to whoever this person is
0: of course yeah gosh Uh fucking bill no bill's head is one of these bags
1: (laughs) well yeah so they opened each of the bags found body parts or innards in each one but they were all stuffed like a thanksgiving turkey for sure yeah The next area the officer searched was the bedroom. Upon entering, it looked like a struggle had definitely ensued. The mattress itself was wet. They couldn't tell. There was red sheets on. They pulled them back. The entire mattress was soaked from top to bottom. All the way through the mattress with blood. The, The four bedposts had been broken. Like there had been, like I said, a struggle. Like somebody being pushed around, thrown into the bed, onto the bed, trying to pull themselves off a bed, something. The lamp that had... The lamp that Omaima had told Jose she used in self-defense, well, that was there too. Covered in blood, hair, fingerprints, and tissue. Not like paper
0: tissue. Yeah. People tissue. Right. I assume that's (laughs) what you meant, not... Yeah. Not paper tissue. (coughs) Or as you said, people tissue.
1: People tissue. They moved on to the bathroom after they were done looking over the bedroom. I assume when you take the role of an officer that you're, you know, you're kind of given heads up like, hey, you can walk into some heinous shit. I would assume no, you know, you go in kind of knowing that you're gonna see shit that you right probably don't want to see.
0: Right when like that's one of the things we bring up in most when I was still at the department, you know, mm. for like remember correctly on the first day is like it's not like you see on TV. Yeah, you run more medical calls than you do fires, really. Yeah. When you're volunteering, for the most part, depending on the area.
1: Unfortunately for these police officers, the shit that they're about to walk into in this bathroom is the stuff of nightmares. Right. They open the bathroom door, and they turn on the light, and the first thing they see is the floor just absolutely covered in blood.
0: And lord, how much blood did this man have in his body? <clears> <throat> Apparently enough. Apparently a whole lot. Because <laughs> he's soaked in a complete mattress, and now the Well, it's not. Covered. it's
1: not really hard to i wouldn't think it would be hard to cover a floor because if you take like if you step in blood and you mm-hmm. take steps it's gonna cover spots on the floor or,
0: i don't know why i'm thinking of it's like covered as in it's like squishy
1: oh so, <laughs> no yeah so the blurs blurs covered in flood what the fuck the floor <laughs> the floor <laughs> is covered in blood and then they looked up and there's bill's head on the ceiling figure. they found bill's hollow torso hanging from the ceiling
0: yeah, we're getting closer. I might get it right it's by the end of this.
1: He had also been skinned.
0: Well, all right, then. Did not see that one. No, no.
1: <laughs> Whether he was skinned before or after he died or before or after he was hung there, don't know. Has Ed Guy entered the chat on this whole fucking thing, basically? Uh, it, gets, it gets worse. The kitchen was the next area, and this room wasn't any better than the others. The officers had found a frying pan on the stove with pieces of turkey frying in oil, along with two severed hands the pan
0: so she can get some finger food
1: they were facing palm down they looked for more evidence they went to the trash can they found pieces of discarded turkey meat in there along with cranberry sauce and human flesh they kept looking and opened the refrigerator and they found nothing they checked the freezer and found nothing uh, suspicious there just your normal frozen meats frozen vegetables They were interested in this, like, ball of aluminum foil that they had, or that she had in the freezer. Mm -hmm. And they opened it, and they found Bill's head. Head.
0: Found it. I finally found it.
1: Which had also been deep fried. (laughs) And all of this happened three days prior on Thanksgiving Day in
0: 1991.
1: All right, then. Right. God damn, that's a meal I would love to never go to.
0: Unlike your sister.
1: (laughs) (laughs) During Bill's autopsy, the medical examiners were able to tell via ligature marks on his ankles that he had been tied up. Tightly tied up. They were not able to tell if his wrists had been uh, tied up due to the damage from her hacking his hands off and them being fried. Bill's actual cause of death wound up being from 25 different head wounds.
0: Okay, so that's she, still consistent with her story here.
1: <laughs> she had stabbed him with scissors, hit him with a clothing iron, and then bludgeoned him to finish him off with that lamp. Now, Omaima did have wounds too, and she was able to be checked out as well. And when she was checked out, the doctors that were seeing her were in agreement that her wounds were self-inflicted, not like her punching herself in the face,
0: right. kind of self-inflicted. They're defensive wound. No. I swear that's what you just said. I don't know. Maybe I'm just stupid, but continue.
1: (laughs) No. So they were self-inflicted, like I said, but not like her hitting herself. But like the force that she had to use to get the scissors, like, and the knives into his bones to hack him up. Mm -hmm. She also had to use that force to pull them back out.
0: Oh, so she was smacking herself in the face. Correct.
1: Correct. That's why they said self-inflicted. It wasn't anything he did to her. She did it to herself on accident. Right. But still did it to herself.
0: Still don't understand why I get why I thought you were fucking trying to say defensive wounds. I was like, no, here, I'm just going to make shit up now while we go.
1: Nope. So, yeah, she kept hitting herself in the face when she'd have to pull the, the knife or whatever she was using to hack him up.
0: You think of I the first couple of times she didn't remember to get her face out of the fucking way?
1: Well, you'd think she wouldn't do the shit she did. But hey, here we right. are. Now that they had this incredible mountain of evidence against Omaima, it was time to get her side of the story. She was already being held in custody, but now they wanted a confession. Omaima tried to talk her way out of the heinous shit that she did by defending what she did. (laughs) you ready for some crazy?
0: Well, I mean, to a point, she probably could have got away with self-defense, but stabbing him 25 times with a fucking pair of scissors and then finishing him off with a fucking lamp.
1: And then hacking up his body, yada yada yeah, yada, all the extra shit defend, she did—like yeah. <laughs> that's not self-defense. Once he's dead, there's nothing to fucking yeah, defend yourself against.
0: Like, you know, there's a point. If you would have <clears throat> had a moment of clarity and stopped, she could have probably been okay. But I'm yeah. still thinking this whole rape thing is fucking bullshit at this yeah. point. But anyway, I'm sure we're about to find out.
1: She said that Bill was an abusive man who repeatedly raped her and beat her, yet no neighbors ever heard fighting or thumping coming from their apartment. She also claimed that she had no memory of killing Bill and that the demons inside of her made her do it.
0: Sure, okay. <laughs>
1: Just the nod of your head. You're like, oh, Yo, this bitch is crazy. And she is.
0: That's why I'm to go that angle at the gas station the other day when that guy tried to come at me with that <laughs> fucking pamphlet. i like, are you sure you want to go to hell? Yeah, that's where all the fun people are, but anyway. <laughs>
1: She said she had a vision of two two blood-soaked women repeatedly telling her to kill him. So she did. Right, okay. She also tried to explain away the ligature marks on Mill's ankles by saying that he liked kinky sex and that he consented to being tied up for foreplay. I don't know about you, but there's no type of foreplay that I have ever enjoyed where I'm tied up and fucking bludgeoned to death. Mm, no. You know? That's... I mean, to each their own, but fuck my
0: life. I'm not gonna yuck somebody else's yum, but still, fuck that. <laughs> like, no hey, thanks. Um, baby, tie me up and smack me in the face with a tire from a 1985 right. Honda Civic. And I'd never
1: consent to floor play where my fucking head got deep fried either. Well, so you
0: can't at that point anymore. I don't.
1: I don't know that he's the one with the kink. Anyways, investigators found that the way she had bu- uh, tied Bill up was suspicious. It was done with such precision, it made them wonder if she had done this before. So they got they got the idea to dig into her past and see if they could find anything. While continuing to investigate everything in the apartment with a fine-tooth comb. Fine-tooth coat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Anyways. While digging through Omaima's history, they found a man by the name of Robert Hansen. He was a former boyfriend of hers. And he let the officers know that he ended his relationship with her after a night where she tied him up, put a revolver to his face, and demanded money from him in November of 1990. Does that
0: sound familiar? A little bit.
1: Like when she used to do her one-night stands, she carried carried doing that shit to her boyfriend. Yeah. And then ultimately her husband, who met his demise at her hands. Robert said he never went to the police about it because basically his own pride. He felt it would make him less of a man, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to be seen as a victim, so he just kept it to himself.
0: Yeah, and that's a big problem with a lot of men that are mm-hmm. victims of crimes like this because they, they don't want to. They hurt, have their pride hurt or anything. Yeah, but it's time to stop doing that shit, guys. Something's wrong. Fucking say something. Word.
1: All remnants of Bill were gathered and weighed and cross-referenced with his newly renewed driver's license. The weight. Damn it. <laughs>
0: Elsie's tail keeps getting in her line of sight, so...
1: The weight gathered, and the weight on his license were starkly different. Like, a hundred pounds different. Yeah. So where did the rest of Bill go?
0: In the trash can, obviously, at this point.
1: <laughs> and the frying pan, and all the suitcases. But like I said, they gathered everything. Every little piece. Every tiny morsel. Right. They gathered, and put them all together, and weighed him. And it's still a hundred pounds different.
0: Well... Did they factor in, you know, reduction when cooking him down?
1: I'm sure, but she didn't cook all of him, just his hands and his head. Right. And that's not going to be a hundred pounds difference.
0: Because he should probably eat the rest of him, but that's a whole lot of man to be eating. <laughs> He's a hundred pounds lighter than he needs to be.
1: Neighbors claimed that they had heard the garbage disposal going on and off a few times. This was substantiated as there was blood and tissue found in the drain, but the amount of off and on time during the day that the, that the neighbors said that they could hear... The disposal going off would not have been enough time to dispose of 100 pounds of flesh and bone. Right. So where else did it go?
0: Because she made some man-witch, because <clears> <throat> is a meal. Or however the slang went from the commercial. What
1: <laughs> the fuck? A sandwich is a sandwich, but a man-witch is a meal. On December 2nd, 1992, Omima went to trial for the murder of her husband, Bill, Nes- Bill Nelson. She went on the stand and am- admitted to killing him dismembering him to make it easier to dispose of his body. She admitted to frying his hands to remove his fingerprints so they couldn't be identified, and she admitted to castrating him out of spite. She gave no explanation as to why she deep fried his head. Omaima said that she went into a trance-like state and spent 12 hours killing Bill and hacking him into pieces to make his disposal easier. Omima had dressed herself in a red dress, red high heels, And put on red lipstick as part of a ritual the night before or the night that she killed Bill. She said that she was a descendant of ancient Egyptians and that Sekhmet communicated with her and acted out on her behalf. Sekhmet was a warrior goddess with some severe bloodlust. She had the head of a lioness and dressed solely in the color of blood red. Her psychiatrist, Dr. David Scheffner.
0: She's 100% wackadoodle. Stamp. (laughs)
1: Stamp. (laughs) took the stand and told the car- told the courtroom how Omima was deeply disturbed and psychotic. Some new details had emerged that had not been known to anyone beyond himself and Omima because, you know, doctor-patient confidentiality. Right. Uh, you see, while she was in session with Dr. David, she let him know that she did cook parts of her husband along with the turkey. But we already knew that. What we didn't know... Was that she had cooked and ate his ribs in her very own words on the stand, Dr. David verbatim wrote down what she said about it, okay, so these are her own words to her doctor, her psychiatrist. She said, I did his ribs just like in a restaurant. It was so sweet, I only ate the parts with muscles, particularly thighs and calves, which was my favorite i make I made a very tasty stew with the tongue. And I used the eyes to make a nutritious and healthy soup. It was also rumored at that time that Omaima was preparing uh, Bill for Thanksgiving dinner with him as the main course. And that had any of his family showed up to eat Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. they would have been eating Bill.
0: I'm sure they would have left once I would have seen all the blood all over the fucking place. <laughs>
1: Omaima was convicted of a second degree murder on January 12th, 1993. She was also charged with assault... False imprisonment and robbery of a former boyfriend, which I assume is Robert Hansen, since he actually came forward at that point. Right. She was given 28 years to life in prison. She became eligible for parole in 2006, but was denied because she was found to be unpredictable and a threat to society.
0: I can only imagine why. No shit.
1: She had another parole hearing in 2011, and this time Bill's daughter Margaret showed up. Omaima apologized for murdering and mutilating Bill, but followed that up with it it was a life or death situation for her, and she would have been dead if she hadn't killed him, so she was sorry he was dead, but she was happy that she was alive. What the fuck
0: and again, you shouldn't know when to fucking stop <laughs>
1: Margaret had actually prepared something to say at this particular court or uh, parole hearing, and it was definitely an impact statement. She had started off by saying. Um, something about how the daughter that she had just given birth to eight weeks prior will never get to meet and do things with her grandfather because his life was taken. Margaret is quoted as saying, I don't know the adequate punishment for a murderer who doesn't even leave a family a body to mourn over, but I do know that you don't let her out. And at this hearing... Omaima was again denied parole, thankfully. Omaima remarried while she was still in prison in the 1990s. The man she married was well into his 70s at this point. Of course. They were... Because what?
0: Of course, you know, you gotta go after that sugar daddy money. (laughs) All right. They were
1: allowed three conjugal visits. Apparently, one of them was near the kitchen where knives of all sizes and types just laid out in the open. He mentioned how he had never once felt threatened by her, even with all the weaponry laying around. He has since passed away. But he did leave Omaima a huge chunk of money.
0: Which makes, you know, doesn't do her any good being in fucking prison. Correct. Or at least I'm assuming she's still in prison. (laughs) Omaima Nelson is being
1: held at the Central California's Women's Facility in Chowchilla, California. She will be eligible for parole again when she is 58 years old, which will be in 2026. So, United Statesmen, if you ever see someone that looks like her during or after the year 2026... Maybe just avoid her at all costs unless you wish to be Miss Hannibal Lecter's next holiday meal of liver and fava beans.
0: And a nice key, Yeah, uh-huh. You forgot the part. Oh, I didn't edit. Yeah. I or, didn't want to. you know, be turned into Manwich because, like I said earlier, because Manwich is a male or whatever. But the yeah, she that.
1: she has been compared to Hannibal
0: Lecter. Oh, I'm sure. Numerous times. Well, I'm sure after eating that much of a body, you're going to get that comparison or, you know. To Jeffrey Dahmer, the people Dahmer. Yeah.
1: I had forgot to add in there, too, that when she was on the stand, she denied ever telling her doctor that she ate him.
0: Yeah, okay, because a medical professional is going to fucking lie.
1: They did record her conversations with the doctor. So
0: So he's pulling a little little tape recorder. I was probably going to click. Is that you? That's you, right? No,
1: that's (laughs) not me. That's my evil twin. Yeah, okay. It's the bloodied ladies in red. Right. But yeah, that's... Oh, Mima Nelson. Because
0: I was just out of curiosity was like, I wonder what kind of true crime Thanksgiving stories are out there. And boom, she was the very first thing. And you happen to look up at the right time. Mm -hmm. And you're like, don't read that one. I'm planning on doing that one for this week.
1: I had, she's been on my list. I had her and the other story, the story that I did last year for Thanksgiving. And I chose that one. Yeah. And this one I said, or saved for this year. But yeah, as soon as I saw the picture, I was like, don't read it.
0: Don't read it. <laughs> like, like all I was doing was like skimming like names and shit just uh-huh. to see if I heard her heard anything. Yeah. but I didn't Had you hear heard of her before? No, I did not.
1: Yeah. She's fucking insane, dude.
0: There's a lot of true crime stuff I haven't heard of. Yeah. So you ready to hear about Ragamuffin Muffin Day? I am ready. And the parades they had? I am ready. All right, so last year I brought everyone probably one of the most fun topics for me to at least to research, and that was the Macy's Parade and its balloons. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in the middle of all that, I had heard something about this thing called Ragamuffin Day, and I was like, I'm going to save that for another episode another day. So here we are. Another day. Another day. But in that episode, we all learned that they used to release the balloons at the end, causing a giant pig to stalk the Empire State Building for about an hour before it finally deflated. And also that Snoopy appeared in the Macy's Parade more than any other character that's ever been on the Macy's Parade. hmm And that also the parade has only ever been canceled one time in its entire history. Do you remember what day that, when that was? No. During World War II.
1: Oh, yeah. I told yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: Just making sure you remember. Yeah, okay, because I have the (laughs) script and I can go back and look at it. (laughs) Like I did. They pull some little fun facts, some fun facts out of that episode. Yeah. For a kind of refresher. Before we even get to the Thanksgiving Day Parades, the National Dog Show, or the tradition with your dad, which is watching the Detroit... Watching the Detroit Lions lose on Thanksgiving Day, which I've yep. never heard anybody in my life cheer for a team to fucking lose on television other yep. than your dad. Yep. The city of New York had a tradition known as Ragamuffin Day. Okay. Thanksgiving Day has always been accredited to Abraham Lincoln in 1863 after a woman by the name of Sarah Josepha Hale, the editor of a magazine that went by the name of Goody's or Gody's lady book, because I cannot figure find a pronunciation for that name, mm-hmm. and she was off the author of a very tiny not significant nursery rhyme known as Mary had a little lamb. oh, that little old thing, yeah, huh? she had urged President Lincoln to make Thanksgiving Day a national holiday, and in a letter she explained to him, you may have observed that for some years past, there has been an increasing interest felt in our land to have Thanksgiving held on the same day in all the states. It now needs national recognition and an authoritative fixation only to become permanently an American custom and institution. And on October 3rd, 1863, President Lincoln responded to a request unlike other presidents before him, like George Washington, which had it done exactly 74 years before in 1789 about creating Thanksgiving Day. He would proclaim that The last Thursday in November was to be Thanksgiving Day and praise is what it was. And it's been now shortened to Thanksgiving Day. Mm -hmm. According to the National Park Service's website, the Battle of Gettysburg, where 51,000 Americans, Union and Confederate soldiers alike lost their lives. And this being a victory for the Union would play a big role in his proclamation for a national day of Thanksgiving. My first thoughts were it was to read part of the proclamation. to read part of his proclamation, but after seeing how long it was, I felt like it would be one of those spots people start glazing over. So, yeah. so by 1870, with this new holiday, the children of New York City would get an extra day off school or maybe work since one out of eight child children in the city of New York was part of the labor force. And these children would use Thanksgiving Day to cut loose, as you can say, into a precursor to Halloween and mischief night known as Ragamuffin Day.
1: So wait, is Ragamuffin Devil's Night?
0: Uh, kind of, because even at this time, well, this was all on the same day, because trick-or-treating that we know it now doesn't even exist yet. Okay. That doesn't happen until the 1930s, which I covered that in the Halloween bonus episode.
1: Yeah, I'm asking specifically if I Ragamuffin know. Day is Devil's Night. No.
0: This is what happened all during the day and then the night of Thanksgiving Day. Okay. A few sources said that Ragamuffin Day generally took place in Irish-dominant neighborhoods of New York City. In the earlier days of this holiday, during the morning hours, while Thanksgiving dinner was being prepared, the children would dress as hobos, so torn-ready clothes, dirt on their faces, etc. Like, whatever pops in your head when you think of hobo. Yeah. That's what, how these kids over-dress giant clothes, like their parents' clothes, basically. Okay. As I said, their clothes are baggy and oversized, so they either borrowed these clothes from their parents or hard-borrowed by other means. Hard-borrowed? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or steal if you want me to be correct about it yeah then these children would go door to door and or ask anyone on the streets anything for thanksgiving in hopes of nuts candies fruits and vegetables pennies trinkets etc whatever thing they can get just by asking anything for thanksgiving yeah but at night this is where our story of these children become more aggressive and asking for their treats and lighting bonfires. Some of these children were as young as five years old.
1: Ballsy little, sh- yeah. little shits.
0: But there would also be gunfire and gang fights would break out in Brooklyn due, these ragamuffins, due to ragamuffins crossing their paths, which I'm going to guess this is just street gangs of the time just taking part in the holiday festivities and they're just throwing it at them Jeez. on the holiday under the bus with it, basically. Wow. Oh, yeah, a gang fight, oh it's those damn Ragamuffins out there. Oh clutch my pearls. <laughs> In the earlier years of the holiday, dressing like a hobo was the costume of choice, but as time went on, stores would actually start selling Thanksgiving Day masks and candies. Some of these store bought masks would be, Some of these store-bought masks would be prominent men and the foremost political leaders of the time, and would have over-exaggerated features. In the mask, so oversized nose, smile, mm-hmm. ears, making them look cartoony. And unfortunately also within these times, people of other cultures would get the same treatment in these face masks as well, doing over the top stereotypical bullshit that they went yeah. for an think background. In later years it would also be reported that children would also dress up as Disney characters, football players. So there you go. Now you got your, your
1: Halloween costumes.
0: Mm-hmm. And also boys would drag dress and drag as well. Oh, <laughs> the New York Times observed on December 1st, 1899, when reporting on this holiday, there were Faust, Filip- Filipinos, Mephistos, Boers, Uncle Sam's, John Bulls, Harlequins, Bandits, Sailors, Soldiers in khaki suits. Some masqueraders rode horses, others straddled bicycles. Everyone was generous with pennies and nickels, and the candy stores did a land office business. Some of these candies were spiced jelly candies like gumdrops. That nobody ever eats, like the the dots, basically. Oh, yeah, those are
1: disgusting.
0: Yeah. Opera drops, which are a cream-filled chocolate. Opera drop? That's what they're called. I googled opera drops candy, and that's what it came up to me was a chocolate that's cream-filled. Huh. So kind of like those chocolate, those corals, you can get your dad almost. Oh. Or like a <coughs> cranberry egg, you can... Oh, For okay. example, crystallized ginger. Just literally as it fucking sounds. It's not like an old-timey name for a specific type of candy. Ew. <laughs> yeah, you can still buy crystallized ginger today. Yeah, and tinted hard candies. So just your regular Brock's grab bag stuff that we used to grow up with.
1: The shit you find in the bottom of your grandma's purse,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know, you hard bar walking past at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, hard bar.
1: I don't know why that's so fucking funny to me.
0: Uh. anyways. But by the 1900s, Ragamuffin Day was so popular that the children and some adults in New York City clogged the streets so badly that ragamuffin parades would be held instead. But as the ragamuffins marched into the 1920s, they soon would have competition for the streets. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, no. And one of the sources that I had looked into this said something about that. These ragamuffin parades were an inspiration to that. And then I'm like, no, because I literally took it off their website. It was their employee's own fucking thing, which could have been inspired by by this. Yeah. But who knows? Parallel thinking, like I've said before in the past on certain things. By the 1930s, there would be a call in the New York Times to bring an end to the traditions of ragamuffin day because of what happened in the 1930s. Uh, stuff. The Great Depression.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm testing you.
0: Yeah, okay. I literally have it written out over here. How you I told testing? you his-
1: History's not my bag.
0: I know. I know, but I'm going to change that eventually someday. <laughs> trying to slowly. But due to the uh, Great Depression, it was deemed to be in poor taste to beg on the streets for treats, as thousands in New York City were begging to just survive from day to day at this point. Fair enough. Not only this, it was the upper class wanting to an end to the ragamuffin day, because just like now... You go to the wealthier subdivisions because you know they have the full-size candy bars to give out and so on. So they are going to the higher-end neighborhoods to get all their trinkets and candies from them. Yeah. Even though the parade still went on for both Macy's and the Ragamuffins in 1937, one group known as the Madison Square Boys Club would march with signs in the parade, American Boys Don't Beg, trying to convince children to stop participating in Ragamuffin Day. Yeah. By the 1940s and the 1950s, ragamuffin parades would almost essentially vanish from the streets of New York City due to the popularity of the Macy's Parade and trick-or-treating now becoming on a rise because that's when it started to show up and become more popular in the United States during the Great Depression. Yeah. Because I remember how I brought up that it would be a neighborhood event. You go to one house, you get a costume. The next house, you get... That's yes. so far, so on and so forth. Yep. But the last recorded Dragon Buffin parade would it be held in nineteen fifty six. Or was it the last one? Or was it? I don't know, was it? Dragon Buffin parades continued in the outer boroughs of New York City and no longer in Manhattan because of Macy's. Yep. And these parades are still held in there are still being held in the area of New York City in Bay Ridge. And they've held, been holding this Ragamuffin Parade after it's restarted in 1966 and then Russell hold in Park Ridge, New Jersey and in Hoboken, New Jersey and other communities in the West Ch- Westchester County Municipalities, Pleasantville and Briarcliff Manor, where the parade has been going on for about 30 years.
1: So it's still going on today.
0: hmm. Huh. In September 12, 2016, in Bay Ridge and Brooklyn, it would rename Third Avenue to Ragamuffin Way in honor of the neighborhood's 50 year old tradition. Also, in that same part of Brooklyn, would set a world would set a record for the parade, hosting about six thousand children and thirty-five thousand spectators. But there is actually a breed of cat known as a ragamuffin. It was established in 1994, and it's an offshoot of the ragdoll. Ragdolls
1: are so pretty.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's because of their face, their coloring, it makes them look like they're dirty.
1: Oh, he's so pretty.
0: There's that one. There's another one. This is like the main Aww. picture. That's like the main picture that comes up for him. So I'm guessing yeah, they the look off, like a rag doll, off white, and they look a yeah. little bit dirty. It's probably why they got the name. Which is weird that they use that name because this breed was like founded in California. So yes, have you even started thinking about a Christmas episode yet? No. Good because you shouldn't meet until after Thanksgiving's done and over with.
1: <laughs> I probably won't <laughs> think about a Christmas episode until a week or two before.
0: I've already been asked about it. Oh well, whoever asked, please stop asking. Because well, they asked about what I was going to do for mine, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not. I don't think that far ahead with it. Fuck Christmas. You know. Anyways. And if, if anybody that does this confused, why go back and listen to our Christmas episode. You'll understand why we say fuck Christmas. Yeah. But anyway, everybody, hopefully you have a safe and fun Thanksgiving tomorrow. And yes, don't kill your in-laws or whatever. If you have those things or. Yep. If you need to go outside, smoke a cigarette or. Something a little extra in there. The
1: devil's lettuce.
0: A devil's lettuce. Or even if you need that extra kick, as I said once before, the devil's dandruff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's so gross. <laughs> Anyways, yes, happy eat your weight and turkey day. Yeah. And don't burn your
0: house down either.
1: Yeah. If you're going to deep fry, do it away from your... Yeah. Away from And your house. just make sure it's thought out. Also, don't wear fucking sandals when you do it.
0: What? That's, I've seen so, so many videos floral, of random. people...
1: Wearing sandals when they're putting their turkey in their deep fryer and they're just getting splashed constantly with fucking oil on their toes.
0: And then they drop it in there and then it boils over yeah. and it burns their house down. Like, come on now. But there's
1: re- literally written instructions for a reason. Not everybody's that smart. I guess. Clearly. I guess.
0: Clearly. Otherwise yeah. there
1: wouldn't be videos surfacing on the internet.
0: But anyhow, I think we close I think it's time we closed emporium up for the day, Sarah. What do you think? I agree. <laughs> you thought I was gonna fuck that up.
1: You did a little bit.
0: Yeah so until next time
1: <laughs> remember to creep it real
0: all right bye okay bye happy thanksgiving once more time
1: mm, okay bye please go and check out our website at macabre emporium com. join our facebook group by searching macabre emporium like and subscribe on youtube at macabre emporium podcast follow us on tiktok at macabre emporium pod follow us on twitter at macabre emporium If you have any stories of the paranormal, your local true crime, or weird history that you would like us to look into and possibly do an episode on, email us at macabreemporianpod at gmail.com. And remember to follow, rate, review, and share whenever and wherever you can to help us grow our podcast.
0: But even before we get to the Thanksgiving Day parades, the national dog show that's usually on afterwards, or the tradition with your dad that he has now watching the Detroit Lions lose on Thanksgiving Day, is... Where the fuck was I going with that? (laughs) No, because I was going with someone with that, and then...